Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dating in the Bay. I'm so thrilled you're here. I'm so pumped to share this episode with you. Sarah Catherine Reynolds is here, and you guys might know her as an Instagram and Twitter sensation. She's the meme queen, and I'm so happy that I got to record with her. Said she would come back, so I'm super pumped about that. And oh yeah, a couple quick things before we get to her episode. First of all, if you guys don't know Dr. Sanjay Gupta from CNN, he came out with this new research about how people weren't using their brains as much during the pandemic. So my friend and I were like, oh, we need to create new neuronic pathways. So our solution to doing that was that we should wake up at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning and do our own polar bear plunge in the bay. And so we did it and it was exhilarating. It's actually not as cold as you would think. And I like to think that we did create some new neuronic pathways. I'm not sure how we can measure that, but just want to encourage anybody else who feels like pushing the boundaries on their brains. If you have any other ideas, we are open to other challenges. So we, we are here for it. So let us know. And oh, second funny story. I talked about before how I used to always give out my phone number back in the old timey times. And I would get, that's kind of how I would get most of my dates. And I was with a friend a couple weeks ago, we got drinks and then we walked by like an open seating bar and uh, my friend saw somebody that caught their eye. So my friend told me, oh, I wish I wish I could have just gone and talked to that person. And then I pulled out, I was looking for a paper in my pocket, which I did not have. And he also didn't have a pen because pandemic life, we don't carry those things around anymore. Just always carry a mask. Actually, we could have put in our number on the mask. Anyways, basically, I encouraged him to go back, introduce himself and ask for the person's number. And guess what? They got a date, they went on a date, and it sounded super fun. And also the person commended my friend about how forward he was about the phone number. So just further evidence that meeting people in the wild and pushing your own boundaries really works. And he was a perfect example of getting to the date and he did it. So those were my main burning stories I wanted to share. And now let's get to Sarah's interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I'm really honored to get to talk to you, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Okay, so before we start, I have a a low-hanging fruit question that we have in common. Okay. Paul Rudd. Oh my gosh. Tell me everything. You have a picture with him, and I think we both love him. So I, I do, and who doesn't love him? But like some people have a special love for him, which it sounds like we both do. And I take any opportunity to share that photo of me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a Tuesday. This is a good day to reshare. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually on a work trip. The company that I work for sponsored the Maui Film Festival, which is a very cool work trip to get to go on. I know that. And we were at a casual party one night and they were like, hey, do you guys want to meet Paul? <laughs> like first name basis, Paul. And I was like, sure. I had no idea it was Paul Rudd until I was in his face. And I was like, holy 
Oh my gosh. And he was so cool. And me and my other coworker talked to him for at least half an hour about everything. We talked about like his kids and New York. And my coworker was like, Hey, tell him like the name of your latest humor piece you wrote. And I like said the title aloud and he laughed so genuinely and sincerely. And I was like, I can die now. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Like I could leave right now and like, I don't care what happens for the rest of my life. (laughs) Die happy. That's amazing. Man, I'm jealous. Did you like connect with him afterwards? Email or anything? Only in my dreams. Okay. Is he on Instagram? I don't even know. I don't think so. I'm not sure. I feel like he probably stays away from most of the drama and internet bullshit. So that's why we love him even more. Yeah. Just that fleeting moment was enough for me, though. Like, if I never saw him again, that would be fine. I want that moment to be frozen in time. Because the Maui Film Festival photographer captured a photo of me and him, different from the one that, like, I took on my iPhone or that a friend took. And the film festival has used that photo of just me and him in some of their like marketing materials. And I treasure it. It looks like we're a couple, even though I know he's happily married. So anyway, it was a delight. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Okay. So you're a copywriter by day, but I know you, I've been following you since the very beginning and now you've gone kind of viral. You're, I think, like a full-on influencer now. Oh, goodness. Like that Um, title makes me laugh, but... I think by definition, with like 40,000 followers, I think that's like a micro-influencer. I it's macro. I don't know what I'm influencing people to do except to have safe sex (laughs) as much as possible. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious. How did it all come to be? And I'm also just fascinated by your brain because I feel like you just shoot out tweets. You don't ever skip a beat. It's hit after hit after hit. And it would take me forever just to come up with one of your, for like my entire lifetime, I think. Yeah, I feel very lucky that my brain genuinely like never shuts off in a way that it, I think in tweets, which is a blessing and a curse, right? Like that I'm constantly thinking of fun, creative innuendos and even just like general observations that I find funny. But I also don't sleep at night because my brain doesn't stop thinking in like wordplay at all times. And I feel also very lucky that this brain is the reason that I have a career writing clever words for brands, even outside of humor writing and tweeting. So yeah, it's, I feel very lucky to think the way that I do, but (laughs) I would like to turn it off sometimes and I can't, I just can't turn it off. So yeah. So when you're up all night, are you taking notes or is it kind of like, Oh, just, yeah. Well, a lot of the time if like an idea comes to me at night, I, I will actually just like maybe workshop it a little and then just tweet it out because less people are awake. And if it sucks, I know it, it just dies in the night or, you know, if people are even up at that hour and they're interested in it, like I know it's a good thought, but so you say that like, I don't miss a beat, but that's because you don't see the like thousands of tweets I delete right after I post them. <laughs> okay. That just reminded me. So you posted something really funny. It was, I don't really know a reel or a TikTok, but then it was, your publicist wrote back saying, oh. was that real? Like saying, okay, no, I don't have a publicist. All of my friends are my publicist. And anytime I put something on the internet that they're like, whoa, Sarah, too far. And right. That was my friend, Lindsay. And she, she was like, you know, it's not cute when you're like making videos, chugging wine. And I was like, that, I think it's fine. Like, and it's like so. I'm like, I feel like it's boys, booze, and current events kind of combined. Yes, 
Yes. Lots of good bees. It's all in good fun. And of course, you know what? I'm very lucky to have friends that play a sensor role every now and then. I mean, the amount of times where I've sent an idea to someone and they're like, mm, like I don't think that should be on the internet. And then I do it anyways, <laughs> which is the same with like texting a boy, right? Like, I'm like oh, yeah. should I write this back? And they're like, no, you sound crazy. And I'm like, okay, be right back. I'm going to send it. Actually, I already like, sent it before I even asked you. Yeah, exactly. It's like sometimes you just need someone else's opinion, even if you're not going to listen to it, which is really screwed up. But, you know. I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I already did it. So it doesn't even matter. But I was just asking. So I checked the box. Like, we did it. We are going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, GiftPod. Emotions are way more intensified since we don't have all those pre-pandemic life distractions. This year has taught me a lot about resilience and perspective. And the ups and downs of dating during a pandemic are, um, yeah, they're a lot. What's helped me to get through are the unsung bays, my friendships. Through GiftPod, I'm able to record a message to my closest bays and let them know I'm thinking about them and all the fun things we'll do together post-quarantine. The team at GiftPod will spruce it up with music and give it to them as a private podcast. It's a great gift to send to your friends as a pick-me-up and an extra boost to brighten their days during this kind of turbulent time. GiftPod is offering listeners 10% off with the code 104BAE. That's the number 10, S-O-R-B-A-E. You can check them out at giveagiftpod.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so I know you moved from New York to Seattle. What was New York dating like? And then what's Seattle dating like? And I know you have a date today, so maybe you could tie in that date also. You know, I'm like, how long is this show we're going to do? <laughs> I could talk about that all day. Yeah, I did the 13 years in New York, which is funny. That sounds like a prison sentence. <laughs> no, I, I had 13 wonderful years in New York, but dating there was, I mean, there's a million different words to describe it said the writer. Uh, it, was, it was comical. It was, you know, everything's a or better offer scenario. You know, there's, there's so many quality people that are successful and hot and fun and funny. And it's like, even if you have a good date with one of those people, like there's another one waiting around the corner. And I mean that for both like men and women, like I would go, I would have a really great date with a guy who checked a bunch of boxes. And then I'd be like, but like, let's see what else is out there. You know? So it's, a never ending cycle, which genuinely I enjoyed. You have to either embrace that routine of like, it's okay if it's not going to work because there's someone else out there. The second you approach New York dating in a way where you're like, I'm ready to find someone, like, I want to take this seriously, I think it becomes a little harder and it's a little more difficult and it can be a tedious process, but it doesn't have to be if you don't let it. <laughs> Like, I never went into a first date like, this could be it. I go into first dates like, you know what, if it's if this is it, cool. If it's not, like, yeah. even better. I've eliminated more man on this earth, you know? That's that's my mentality, too. It's like, I feel like I'm going to go on a thousand dates because it, it takes the pressure off. Yeah. It, it's, and, and the funny thing is, is that's anywhere. That's not just New York. Like, I have New York as an example because that's where I probably dated the longest. But... Seattle's the same way. The only, the biggest difference between New York and Seattle is the people. <laughs> like the guys are a little more passive. You know, in New York, everyone's kind of aggressive. Everyone's like, 
this is what I want. I'm going to get it. I'm going to go after it. And I appreciate that. That saves a lot of time. If someone's not like going after you, then they're not interested. Whereas if someone's not aggressively going after you here, they probably like you and they want to see you again. They're just, they don't know all the right moves to make. So I feel like I've had to be a little bit more of the aggressive one in Seattle just because these men aren't. And I'm, of course, I'm generalizing. These are a lot of the guys that I've been out with. But yeah, and also just like ambition. I think everybody in New York is there for a reason and they're passionate and they want to make money and they want to be successful. And that's less so in Seattle in the sense that people are totally cool with like being like a part-time arborist, which is fine. Like that's absolutely fine. Like, but you know, as someone I've built a pretty solid career and I worked really hard to get where I am and I want someone that can match that, you know? Yeah, totally. So you think today the guy, he has potential to be <laughs> the next Mr. Sarah? Yeah. So this is, I, uh, yes, I hate talking about dates because I know like the next time I talk to you, I'm going to be like, who are you talking about? I don't know who that yeah, is. Who, yeah. It didn't work out. I don't know who that that's, is. Yeah. That's like how, that's like the fun of it. Not remembering. Totally. Like, I, have, yeah. I have no recollection. Yeah. No, we had a really good socially distant first date sitting outside in a heat lamp scenario and this is a second date. So it's exciting. And and to me, he's the best of both worlds, which is like, he's got like that rugged Seattle look. I love a good beard. I love a lumberjack look. Okay. But I like a, a sophisticated lumberjack. So, you know, someone that's got like a beard and looks good in a flannel, but also is really proud of their career and is driven. And so he's those things. And that's all I want to say about him because I don't want to get excited about it. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. We like want low expectations. Okay, my friends and I really like your account is that you kind of have this dating is such a turbulent roller coaster, but you have this kind of like light just humor and poking fun of it. I have treated my dating life that way. And as a result, the content I create is reflective of it. And by that, I mean, I've always, I haven't taken dating seriously in a way where I am like setting myself up for heartbreak constantly, which has its downsides, of course. But to me, the most, you know, I, I think I mentioned that like I go into these first dates and worst case scenario, I have a good story. I've eliminated somebody I don't like and best case scenario, like this guy and I spend more time together and it could be something. And so I think just that mindset in general, where it's not putting so much weight into a first encounter or a second or third encounter has really reflected my attitude towards dating. And I think that that is very clearly like projected in all of my writing that I try every now and then I talk a lot about casual sex and a lot about not remembering men's names, which is all factual. These are all things that are very much based on my life. I'm also willing to say that like I am looking seriously. Serious is such a weird word because you can be looking for something serious, but not take dating seriously. And that's not a bad thing. I think we get caught up in that word a lot. Like that doesn't mean I'm looking for something casual all the time, but that means like I'm just not taking dating seriously, even though I wouldn't be upset if something serious came out of it. Yeah. My kind of operating theory is everything's casual to you find somebody that you want to be serious with, but that person matters. Not, not so much like you're on the hot, like, oh, I'm looking for something serious because that's just so intense. That's not fun. Well, and you also have to make sure, and the hardest part I think is making sure you're on the same page with that person. And that's where, you know, you can't ask after a first date, like, where are we? Where do we stand? What is this? Like, you'll be labeled a crazy person, which is fine. Like if you feel the need to ask that, then by all means, but just know that 
your answer might not be something you like. But yeah, I do think it's kind of unfair. I've been told this, and this is a bad habit of mine. Like it, it, if I go into a date and I don't care how it turns out, like that's not really fair to that person that showed up on the date because they think this is it. You know, they're, they're maybe, tr- maybe treating the experience a little differently. I think it's just finding that happy medium between the two. I imagine people slide into your DMs all the time. Are you also on apps? Or are you just kind of exclusively relying on your DMs? Because I feel like that could be a whole just your own app. Well, when this Instagram account started picking up feed and followers, the amount of DMs I had from men was like shocking, but like it, it wasn't terrible either. Like there were some good potential interested men in there. And I, and I appreciate the fact that like these men are sliding in after getting a good read on like who I am. Like if you read, obviously if you read like 20 of my tweets, you don't know fully who I am as a person, but you have a idea who you might think I am. And I'm obviously much more than my tweets, but it's also still authentically me. So for them to read and know a little bit about who I am and then slide in and don't get me wrong. There's plenty of slides that are just wanting to get it in and, you know, like ill-intentioned versus well-intentioned. So yeah, there was a time at like the beginning of the pandemic when I was, I had ditched the apps and I was just entertaining the ones that like were worthy of coming out of the message request file and into the general inbox. Even if they didn't live nearby, that's okay. Like I've, I really love a long distance relationship. I love spending time with someone and then leaving them for a while. I don't know. I appreciate the distance. So, and I work for an airline, so that's never been a deterrent is where somebody is, especially during pandemic times where nobody was really traveling or yeah, but I'm, I'm definitely always sifting through my DMS and still on the apps. So, but I go through waves. Like I think we all do, right? Like where you're like, all right, maybe I'll put some effort in to the apps. And then sometimes you won't open them for weeks. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, I'm kind of curious because I read your blog post about the guy that you dated and how when you asked him, did your account bother him? Because you were still kind of posting as super single. What was kind of going through your mind when he responded? And in the future, how would you also see pivoting in your account in a relationship, how that would look for you? I know it's it's very funny too, because the amount of people that are like, what are you going to do when you get in a relationship? Like, what are you going to have to talk about? Which is very insulting, frankly. I mean, I get the same question from my podcast. Like, what even, it's like, I'm, like, I'm still going to podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. There's still plenty to talk about. And I think that makes it even more entertaining coming from an angle where you've been single for so long. And anyways, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yes, I did have a um, a relationship this summer that started out long distance and it evolved into something more. And we did have, there was a point when I was like, do my tweets ever bother you? And he was like, no, should they? And you know, when you're, when you're seeing someone fairly seriously, you you kind of want the answer to be yes. Like you kind of want to feel like they're, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do or to write or how to be. I would not stand for that, but I wanted to feel like, you know, he felt a level of like I was his kind of thing because I was of course writing you know jokes about like opening opening the country and opening our legs and you know <laughs> stuff like that it was just absurd but fun and on brand and I wasn't hurt when he said no but I again I wanted it I wanted him to feel like we were in a relationship and I it's funny too because he could have said yeah they bothered me and I'd be like 
okay, well, too bad. Um, but I, I do think like, I know that at this point, any relationship that I start, like they they will have seen everything, all of my humor pieces about dating, my tweets about dating, my 6,000 word essays about being in a relationship during a pandemic, like they're going into it, knowing these things beforehand. So to a, a certain degree, they have to be on board with who I am fundamentally. And I think it's something that I can't really know till that, till it happens. I've been in long-term relationships, but not in the last like six years. So not to the point where I was just tweeting as much as I do about what I tweet about. So I, I do think it'll be an interesting dynamic. And you know, I'm, I wouldn't do anything to purposely upset somebody I was with and we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like they're going to be your biggest champion. They have to be. You know, that's, that's what they should be. Yeah. That's the minimum requirement that like, you know, they're going to like everything I put on the internet, even if they don't actually like it. Like I, it's, you just, I'm just looking for someone to like all of that stuff. Yeah. You need a fan. Okay. So I'm curious, what's the funniest dating story that you have? You know, what's so funny is I get asked, like, what's your worst dating story or funniest story all the time. And I feel like I don't have a great answer for it. Two things. One, my, like, I would say worst date which I feel very lucky because I've gotten pretty good over the last couple of years about vetting men before they show up. That doesn't mean they can't turn out to be somebody entirely I didn't think they were. But for the most part, I've had pretty good dates. And if they weren't good dates, it's probably because I went to happy hour beforehand with my friends and tried to do two birds, one stone and, you know, cross out all my social events in one evening. So if they went awry, it was usually because I was in a different state of mind, which is a bad habit I got into. And obviously the pandemic has helped break because you can't be like doubling up on social events or even going to social events in any capacity. I will say one of the funnier dates is a guy that I matched with on Tinder in New York you know, looks wise, his pictures looked great. There was, there was like one full body shot, but he was upside down in like a yoga pose. And we had a good dialogue. And I think I had gone to happy hour and I was like, Hey, meet me for a drink. And he's like, yeah, I'm down. And as I'm in a lift on the way, and he, I guess is getting on the train. He texts me and goes, Hey, by the way, I'm kind of short, which fine. Okay, cool. Like, I don't care. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, but then I was like, how short? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm 5'4", see you soon. And I was like, okay. It seemed weird he would throw that at me like on the way to the date versus like any other time. If he felt the need to even tell me that, which I thought was very curious. And so I show up at the bar and he like hops off the stool. Like ho- like literally hops off like his feet are dangling like a small child. And I can't stress enough that like, it being short doesn't matter. Like I wouldn't hold that against somebody. I prefer tall men, but like wouldn't, wouldn't hold that against a guy. And it, one of the first things he says to me is like, I just want you to know just because I'm short doesn't mean like I'm not a good kisser. And I was like, oh, all right, buddy. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'll give him like a drink or two. And so I stayed and had a drink. And at one point he says, so I made a short film. And the best thing I ever did was not ask if it was about him. <laughs> I, it took all of my might not to say, was it about you? And you know what? Like, that was my, like, dating victory of the decade. <laughs> you reined it in. Yeah. Strange. Right. Yes. Yeah. But so, again, that wasn't, like, a bad date. It was just, a, it was, like, a funny 
scenario. And again, I just, the dynamics of it all, the way he told me. That's funny. What's the best dating advice that you've gotten from somebody? So ever since I started dating, which is a long time ago, one of my best friends just used to repeat to me over and over. She was like, have three drinks max and go home alone. At least on a first date, like have three drinks and go home alone. And I don't know what happened to me, but for the rest of my life, I was like, okay, three drink minimum. Don't go home alone. Do whatever you want. Don't leave. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, there is a lot of merit in that concept. I firmly believe that there are no rules about dating. It's whatever works best for both of you. However, that doesn't mean there's not some good guidance that you should follow. And I think it's hard when you're having like a good time and you're enjoying somebody's company. You want to keep like, you want to have another cocktail. You want to stay and enjoy their company. My problem is that when I want to stay and enjoy their company, is that we've been through like eight cocktails. We've been together for like six hours. You know, they're getting like three dates for the price of one with me. And again, I know there's nothing wrong with that, but I also know I could have a couple drinks, go home and leave them wanting more. <laughs> They still want more after I spend that time with them. I'm just saying I should be better in my approach. However, I've been ignoring that really quality advice for many years. But it is good advice. Well, I feel like it's also really rare when you're having such a good time with somebody that you just want to keep on going. Well, yeah. When in Rome, stay here. Exactly. My mom, like when I was a teenager and I was getting like the are you having sex yet? Talk. And one thing she said to me was like, it's really hard to say no to things that feel good. And at the time, like at 16 or 17, I was like, mom, gross. Like, (laughs) I don't want to hear that. But it's something that's like stayed in my brain. And, and it is like, why would you ever leave a situation where you're enjoying yourself? And frankly, I've lived my whole life that way. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it backfires. Good things can come out of that, but also not great things can come out of overstaying your welcome. And it's not overstaying if you're both doing it. I think that that's the issue too. Like there's never been a situation I was like holding a man hostage to stay another six cocktails with me. Like it's because we're both on the same page. We're both having a good time. Oh yeah. You can tell when someone's having a good time. It's not a one-sided where you're like, oh, I'm crazy, you know? Oh yeah. No, if it is one-sided, get out of there immediately. So people, do they slide into your DMs asking you for dating advice or dating questions? Yeah, that happens a lot. And a lot of women slide into my DMs and they're just like, thank you for being like a 30 something woman who talks about like the perils of being single all the time. It really is all the time. And, you know, a lot of people talk about being in their 30s and older and being single and how it's a little tougher than it is when you were younger. But it's nice to know that that it should be an open dialogue. We should be talking about it more. It is a little harder than being in your 20s. There are different parameters. There are biological clocks that are ticking, which is really unfortunate. But yeah, I've had I've had guys slide in and ask for advice. Um, after I posted that essay about my relationship, I got a lot of people asking, you know, what they should do about their situation. That's pretty was pretty similar to mine. And I was like, finish the essay. Yeah, <laughs> you'll find out. Yeah, it, which is I it's very funny, because I've been dating for a very long time. And I do enjoy it. And I do think I have a good outlook on it. And there are some people that probably think I'm still single, because my outlook is not right or I'm not following certain rules or I'm not doing something right but like I'm also I'm single by choice and I know that that's a very 
bold statement that single people make, especially when, first of all, in a pandemic, a lot of us are (laughs) single because of a pandemic, but I'm single because I want to be and because I haven't found somebody that wows me in the way that, you know, I deserve to be. No, I totally appreciate that. And I've been thinking about too, because, you know, the pandemic is, we can at least see that it's ending in the near future. I haven't really dated, most of us haven't dated much in the last year just because of the circumstances. But I have been on a few socially distant first dates. And a lot of my tweets joke that, like, we've all been horny for the last year because things aren't as they used to be. But, and I joke that, like, my type of man is, anyone who's interested in me and wants to come home with me when this is over. But my reality is is that when I've been doing these distant dates, the guys that I'm meeting up with, they're even more vetted and more, I'm going to make sure that if I'm going to leave my home, like it's for somebody that like is so worth it versus pre-pandemic. Like if a guy was cute and we had a good dialogue and like everything like surface level looked good, I'd be like, yeah, let's get a drink right now meet me around the corner. And now I'm like, let's make sure this is worth risking anything. I know we shouldn't really be dating that much, but the reality is we're going to like you, if you're doing it safely and smartly, but yeah, the caliber of these men is well beyond. (laughs) Not that they were like at a bare minimum, really great when I was dating before the pandemic, but yeah. And then once we're all vaccinated and summer comes and I don't know. I think it's going to be a free for all and it's going to be wild and, you know, something that we all deserve to get to have again. And like, we, there shouldn't be any rule. There should be no rules. You can drink as many cocktails as you want. You could not go home alone. You can go home alone. Like, don't listen to any rules in pandemic world. Like, do whatever you want, whatever feels good. But then I think, you know, what I think that's what's going to happen is everyone's going to go like, also falls real quick and then fall and winter is going to hit again and or another pandemic's going to hit and we're going to be like okay like we need to rein it in and you know find a quarantine buddy again or a hibernation buddy so there's another pandemic i'm gonna have to go talk to somebody <laughs> i know let's hope that's not the case but yeah no i hope i don't think so i think I feel like we've done our duty here. I agree. But I also think the the credentials for what you're looking for in a, in a partner now is like, would I want to spend a year inside with them while they're inside of me? <laughs> That's just where my brain went. Um, you know, like, do you want to, do you, would you want to be quarantined with this human being? And I think that's a good question to add to your dating first date questions list. You know? So what's next for you? I feel like you could stand-up comedy, books. What do you want to do? I prefer sit-down comedy. Being on the other side of the camera and just and writing is first and foremost what's important to me. I do, like, I work full-time. I'm full-time copywriter all day long. My life is airline puns. And yeah, that is my life currently. But I think the the long, I don't know what the long-term goal is. I, I do have, I just submitted a book proposal for a gift novelty type book based on my, I like my men, like I like my pieces. So that's exciting and a potential podcast in the works, but you know, who doesn't have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I also love the ones that you do where you say ladies, if he's, and then, oh, yeah. those are, I always die for those. Those take a lot of thought and you know, it, they're short little tweets, but they're, 
They're thinkers. They're great. I love all of them. <laughs> They're always just like the punchline. It's that when it was the Uber driver. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah. I like, the delivery. I like I like if you can leave someone thinking that a tweet is going in a different direction and then it end up somewhere completely else. Like Yeah. In in two hundred and forty characters less. I don't know. That's a success. It's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> huge. Yeah. And and just the New Yorker and McSweeney's like those types of pieces constantly are flowing out of me. So it's just continuing to get those in those drafts in good forms and submit them and keep adding, keep adding to my portfolio. That's awesome. I'll definitely listen. Yes. You'll be the first. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people follow you on the socials? Please follow me at OMGSKR on both Twitter and Instagram. There you have it. Thank you so much, Sarah. You'll have to also let me know how your date goes. I will let you know. Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Sarah's awesome. And I'm excited to have her back on in the future. And I'm also excited to hear about her upcoming podcast that she's working on. And yeah, with that, I want to thank Sarah again for joining me today. I want to thank StudioPod for editing and publishing and producing my podcast. And I'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.